The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Open your Bibles, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. I've certainly enjoyed the handful of hours that I've had the privilege of being back to the great Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, for the annual Baptist Leadership Conference. There's much that's wrong with America, but when you flip that coin over, there's still much that's right with America. And one of the things right with America is a preacher, a preacher's wife, a preacher's family, a church family, that's of the cut and caliber of Dr. Mike Wells, Mrs. Wells, the Wells family, and the church family of the Parkside Baptist Church here in Mesquite, Texas. The ministry of Dr. Wells the ministry of the Parkside Baptist Church proves that old-time religion works. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to tinker with truth. And here is a preacher and a people that every day of the world prove it works. It works. It works. It was Dr. Bob Jones Sr. who once said, old-time religion works, if you'll just work it. And I've enjoyed these handful of hours that I've had the privilege of being here. Thank you so much for the kind award tonight, Dr. Wells. I was thinking as you made that presentation that it's all because of the grace of God and because of a godly lady that's watching by way of internet tonight, Mrs. Carrie Hamblin. Thank you so much for your kindness. Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. I'm looking forward in hearing my dear friend, Dr. Jeff Fugate, preach tonight, one of my five favorite preachers. And I've never heard him preach, but what I've been blessed uh, by his pulpit prowess. Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And I'll begin reading with verse number 11 through verse number 19, where we find the text of the message. Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, beginning with verse number 11 through verse number 19. Now, I would invite you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. I always feel like that when I preach this message, I need to give a little background, a little backdrop before I preach it. And so I like to give a date, and I like to give you a place. And the date would be November 18, 2018, the place would be the Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. I don't like to preach this message without giving that date and giving that place because that was the first time that I preached this truth. It was on November 18th, 2018 at the Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. Let me add that uh, the Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church is an all-black church. The first time I preached that truth was in that church. And so I like to use that place and I like to use that date as a uh, measuring stick of how you're going to act when I preach it. No pressure. I'm not about pressure. But the first time I preached this truth was in an all-black church. And I mean to tell you, it was on like donkey Kong. Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, 
beginning with verse number 11 through verse number 19. And it came to pass <laughs> as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Please look back with me at verse number 15. Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So a phrase in this verse that I would call your attention to. I've underlined it in my Bible, and you may want to underscore it in yours. And it's that little phrase, and one of them. Do you see it? There it is, and one of them. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight. I want to be that one. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If in my heart I want to be a blessing, but the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect my precious family as I'm away tonight. Give us fresh, warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed upon. Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling. Give Dr. Fugate a measure of preaching power as he's yet to preach tonight. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated.
Today, far too many of God's own people have traded their shout for a pout. Daily, they give the world the wrong impression that the Bible is dull. The church pew is worse than a dentist's chair, and that being saved is a life sentence to never seen a single day that brings a smile. Well, that may be the bulk of believers. They're still but a few that know that having your name in the Lamb's book of life is not a burden, but a blessing. I want to be that one. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, we find that Christ cleanses ten lepers. Now, this chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. Jesus instructs his disciples, verses 1 through 10. Jesus cleanses the lepers, verses 11 through 19, and then Jesus predicts his return, verses 20 through 37. It is well the physician Luke is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with Jesus cleanses the lepers that a person sees a sorrowful ratio. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Note, ten lepers were saved and sanitized and only one shouted it out. Dr. John R. Rice, God bless his sainted memory, once wrote about our text, there is a sad usual pattern in the fact that so many greatly blessed beyond measure did not even return to thank Christ. He went on to write, many now do not even regularly thank God for their food. And it is wickedness beyond measure for those who take God's mercies, his sunshine, his air, his food, family, friends, work, pleasure, to never turn to give any thanks to God or to love and trust the Savior. Now that word glorified uh, in the Greek language that is used in verse number 15 simply means to render full honor and glory. The sister verse of Luke 17, 15 is Psalm 107, 21. And as you've heard me say on any number of times in any number of occasions, every verse uh, has in the Bible what I call a sister verse. And often that sister verse throws more light upon the verse that you're musing, meditating, or making a study of. Again, the sister verse of, of Luke 17, 15 is Psalm 107, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Never forget, gratitude is the spark plug for the engine of glorifying God. Oh, if you miss everything that I preach tonight, I pray that you would not miss that, and it even bears repeating. Uh, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude uh, is the spark plug for the engine of glorifying God. Friend, you and I, uh, those of us uh, that are saved, uh, ought to be mentioned in the minority uh, that makes praising the Lord the major theme of our lives. Now keep in mind tonight that Jesus saved and sanitized ten. 
But there was only one that shouted out. There was only one that said amen. There was only one that said thank you, Lord. There was only one that said glory. Friend, I do not want to be in the majority but I want to be in the minority that says amen, that says thank you, Lord, that says glory. Now quickly tonight, there are nine, one for each silent leper. Bible reasons. Nine Bible reasons that I want to be that one that shouts. Let's quickly notice it tonight. Now you may want to take out a pencil and somewhere in your Bibles scratch these things down. Or if you wear a bow tie, you can use a crayon. But my, my, how it would be far better if God would take an eternal... Welcome to the Baptist Leadership Conference 2019. My, how it would be far better if God would take an eternal pen and write these things upon my heart and upon your heart as well. I want to be that one. Quickly, let's notice it tonight. Number one... I'm found. Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. A Bible reason that I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm found. In Luke 19, 10, the physician Luke tells us uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, earthly mission then and his heavenly ministry now is to search uh, and save hell-bound sinners. If a person has been a believer for any length of time, they have probably heard uh, in a testimony meeting someone stand, uh, someone stand and say, I'm so glad that I found God. By the way, poor theology never makes a powerful testimony. You did not find God. God found you. It wasn't God that was lost. It was you that was lost. And again, poor theology never makes up for a powerful testimony. Breaking news, uh, the God of the Bible has never stopped, uh, stopped at the gas station of the galaxies uh, and asked a service attendant uh, for good directions uh, to the house, uh, workplace, uh, jail cell, or hospital bed of a sinner that wanted to be saved. Friend, you and I, ought to be mentioned in the minority that praises the Lord because we are found. Amen. Patrick Henry, one of the founding fathers of the United States and the first governor of Virginia, when Patrick Henry's will was read, it was found, Dr. Wells, to conclude with these words, there is one thing more I wish I could give you. It is the religion of our Lord Jesus Christ. With it, if you had nothing else, you could be happy. Without it, though you had all things else, you could not be happy. Hey, child of God, the fact that God found you and forgave you should cause you to be as happy as a student that sees the substitute on test day. Oh, I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one uh, that says glory uh, uh, because uh, I'm found. Number two, I'm fundamentalized. 
Jude 3, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. A Bible reason that I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm fundamentalized. Jude 3, the apostle Jude tells us that the privilege of the common or the mutual salvation comes with the price of contending for the faith. This may shock you, but listen, friend, nobody has ever been saved doubting the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures, the virgin birth of the Savior, the vicarious death of the Savior, the victorious resurrection of the Savior, or the very soon return of the Savior. In other words, nobody has ever been saved a liberal. The only way you get saved is as a fundamentalist. Someone once said uh, that uh, fundamentalism is militant orthodoxy set on fire with soul-winning zeal. Friend, you and I ought to be mentioned in that minority that praises the Lord because we are fundamentalized. Down at the Ford plant, Ford automobiles come off the assembly line. At the Chevrolet plant, Chevrolet automobiles come off the assembly line. And you and I had better know that down at the old time religion conversion plant, it is fundamentalists that come off the assembly line. Oh, I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one that says glory because I'm fundamentalized. Number three. I'm fulfilled. Mark 5, 15, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the Democrat. I'm sorry. I've got a new prescription. Make America great again. And see him that was possessed with the devil, same thing, and have a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. A Bible reason that I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm fulfilled. In Mark 5, 15, the apostle Mark tells us of a, a menace of society who lived in a cemetery and how he becomes a, a masterpiece of salvation. Contentment is always the byproduct of knowing Christ. Friend, you and I ought to be mentioned in that minority that praises the Lord because we are fulfilled. Now, there are several ways that Salvation brings satisfaction. And we find it uh, there, Brother Reeves, from the conversion of the maniac of Gadaria. First of all, it bursts repose. Mark 5, 15, and they come to Jesus and see him, those possessed with the devil, and have the legion sitting. A way that salvation brings satisfaction, it bursts repose. Pardon and peace are Siamese twins. You remember when you got saved? Remember when you said no to Satan and yes to the Savior? You remember when you left darkness and met the light of the world? Do you remember that moment that you trusted Christ? It seemed like the weight 
uh, of a thousand and one refrigerators were lifted off your soul. It bursts repose. Uh, secondly, it bursts respectability. Mark 5, 15, and clothe. A way that salvation brings satisfaction from the conversion of the maniac of Gadaria, it there bursts respectability. Bible salvation, can I go ahead and preach? Bible salvation will never cause you to look like an escapee at the nudist colony. There's a crowd today that talks about grace, and then when they post things on social media, it is about a hundred miles, and that's being kind, from the grace of the Bible. The grace of the Bible doesn't cause, cause worldliness. The grace of the Bible there causes uh, a separation from worldliness. Uh, if your grace uh, causes you to slip towards worldliness, you got grease, you didn't get grace. And all God's sweet little children said? Yes. <laughs> they said, ouch, that's what they said. It bursts respectability. Thirdly, it bursts rationality. Mark 5, 15, and in his right mind. A way that salvation uh, brings satisfaction uh, from the conversion of the maniac of Gadaria, it bursts rationality. Clear thinking comes uh, with trusting Christ. Oh, that every person that is in this service would realize uh, that the ways uh, salvation brings uh, satisfaction is that it bursts repose, it bursts respectability, and it bursts rationality. An old Quaker advertised that he would give 40 acres of rich farmland to anyone who was perfectly satisfied with that which he had. One seeker Dr. Wells uh, came to see the Quaker. Are they perfectly satisfied with what thee hast? Yes, answered the hopeful guest. Then why does thee want this land? Was the old Quaker's significant reply. Oh, I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one uh, that says uh, glory uh, because uh, I'm fulfilled. Why, well, it's not a stretch of a statement to say that every week of the world, lowball figure, I talk to at least 10 preachers, uh, either by uh, telephone or by email or, or by text message. It is not a stretch of a statement. Uh, and often in talking to preachers, at least 10 lowball figure every week of the world, they'll say to me, Dr. Hamlin, at our church, uh, it is the minority uh, of the people that are doing the projects. It's the minority of the people uh, that are doing uh, the praising. It is the minority of the people that are doing the personal soul winning. And I ask them to take their Bibles and turn to Luke chapter chapter 17, and I remind them that Jesus pastored the same kind of church. It was the minority. It wasn't the majority. So you know what? Let's just go ahead and decide and determine. It doesn't matter what the majority does. We'll be the minority that says amen, that says thank you, Lord, that says glory. Number four, I'm furnished John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. A Bible reason that I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm furnished. In John 14, 17, the Apostle John tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ instructed that living inside of every believer is the third person of the Trinity. When the Holy Spirit moves into a heart on moving day, the moment one is saved, he brings comfort, correction, counsel, everything anyone needs to live a considerable Christian life. Friend, you and I ought to be mentioned in that minority that praises the Lord because we are furnished. A lady said to an evangelist to whom she had listened with disdain and contempt. <laughs> like that's ever happened before. A lady said to an evangelist to whom she had listened with disdain and contempt, you are not abreast with the spirit of the age. The evangelist replied, you're quite right. I'm not abreast with the spirit of the age, but I have within me the Holy Spirit of this age. Man, I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one that says glory because uh, I'm furnished. Number five, I'm fortified. Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I'm with you always, even under the end of the world. Amen. A Bible reason that I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm fortified. In Matthew 28, 20, the apostle Matthew tells us that tucked away in the Great Commission is the truth that the believer that travels the world getting the gospel out has total protection because his companion is Christ. Lester Roloff once said, and man, isn't it great to be part of a meeting that the names that come over the pulpit are the giants that are in glory. Man, I thank God for an Oliver V. Green. I thank God for a Jack Hiles. I thank God for a Tom Malone. I thank God uh, for a Lester Roloff. Hey, uh, Lester Roloff once said uh, that uh, the child of God is immortal in the will of God. Friend, you and I, ought to be mentioned in the minority that praises the Lord because we are fortified. One day a large and unruly crowd gathered in front. I thought of that last night when preaching in Fort Worth. One day a large and unruly crowd gathered in front of the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas with the single intention of hanging the pastor, Dr. J. Frank Norris. Oh, without debate or discussion, Dr. Norris could be called and classified the grandfather uh, of the modern-day fundamental movement. Uh, and here was this crowd, and they were there to uh, give him what would be called uh, in that day uh, a uh, necktie party. Uh, they were there to hang him, uh, and a staff member went to Dr. Norris's office and said, uh, there's some people here, uh, and they do not mean you good. And Dr. Norris looked out the window and saw that large, uh, unruly mob that was there to hang 
hang him. And the story goes uh, that he went out, uh, went out a side door uh, and crossed the street uh, and gave uh, a uh, nickel to a little boy on the opposite corner, uh, a paper boy, uh, and he picked up that newspaper on the adjacent corner, just opposite of that uh, unruly crowd, and J. Frank Morris giving that boy a nickel and getting that newspaper. The story goes he turned his back uh, on that unruly crowd and began to read very carefully and very deliberately every word and every page of that newspaper. And when he got done, he tucked it under his arm uh, and split the crowd right down the middle and walked back into the church. Someone might say, J. Frank Norris uh, was a fool. No, J. Frank Norris uh, was fortified. I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one that says glory because I'm fortified. Number six, I'm fevered. <laughs> Jeremiah 20 and 9, Then said I, I'll not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. A Bible reason I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm fevered. In Jeremiah 20 and 9, the prophet Jeremiah tells us that he couldn't be silent uh, because the scriptures were in his soul. If I could just chase a rabbit for a moment, uh, Bible mathematics, uh, a believer plus Bible equals burning believer. Friend, you and I ought to be mentioned in that minority that praises the Lord because we are fevered. The fall of 1982, the Calvary Baptist Church in Allen Park, Michigan, ordained me to the gospel ministry. They brought in for that special service Dr. A.T. Humphreys. Dr. A.T. Humphreys was the song leader and soloist for the great evangelist, Dr. B.R. Lakin. And they brought him in to be on that council, but they also brought him in to provide the special music. And before the presbytery uh, were to lay hands on me and pray, uh, Dr. A.T. Humphreys got up and sang, Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let your voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day and hour. I will be a witness Fill me with thy power. I say it uh, with much fear and trepidation, but from that moment to this minute, I can't explain it, but there's been a fire. Uh, there's been a combustion. There's been a burning in my soul. I want to be that one that says amen. I want to be that one that says thank you, Lord. I want to be that one that says glory because I'm fevered. Number seven, I'm focused. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, so run that you may obtain. A Bible reason I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm focused. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, the Apostle Paul tells us that service for Christ is likened to a race which calls for self-discipline and strenuous effort. Friend, you and I to be mentioned in that minority that praises the Lord 
because we're focused. A wrestler once asked the coach, can I smoke and drink and have a good time and still wrestle? And the coach with the, twice, with the, with the wisdom twice of Solomon, the coach with the wisdom twice of Solomon simply said, yes, yes, you can smoke and yes, you can drink and yes, you can have a good time, but you're not going to win. Why is it in 2019 we're trying to figure out where the line is so we can straddle it? Why is it in 2019 we're trying to figure out where the edge is and to see how close we can get to that edge without teetering over the side? And I want to be that one that says amen. Amen. I want to be that one that says, thank you, Lord. I want to be that one that says, glory, because I'm focused. Number eight, I'm farsighted. Hebrews 11:10. for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. A Bible reason I want to be that one that still shouts is because I'm Far-sighted. In Hebrews 11.10, the apostle Paul tells us that Abraham had a light grip on earthly real estate because he had a long gaze on heavenly real estate. Those who have this spiritual, uh, Dr. Miller, perception, see mansions in glory, casting crowns at Christ's feet, and the saints on the other shore. Oh, I know it's the majority that's quiet. I know it's the majority that's silent. I know it's the majority that, man, you, you couldn't get an amen out of them with a crowbar. That's okay, because I want to be in the minority. I want to be in the minority that says amen. I want to be in the minority that says thank you, Lord. I want to be in the minority that says glory. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that prince of preachers, once said, a little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. I'm farsighted. And then number nine, and last of all, not only number one, I'm found, and number two, I'm fundamentalized. And let me just go ahead and just give you a word of knowledge I've been saying lately Dr. Fugate in my meetings before I back down and back off and back away from militant fundamentalism before I do that I'll start the give me that old time religion Baptist church in my garage that's what I'll do my precious wonderful sweet wife best Christian I know of 38 years, here's that statement, and privately she says, babe, I'm with you wherever you go, whatever you do. My only question is, where am I going to park my car <laughs> if we're starting a church in the garage? Hey, this crowd that, 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 that doesn't say fundamentalist and won't say fundamentalism, I don't, I don't care if it hair lips uh, uh, every armadillo uh, in the state of Texas, this crowd uh, that you got to practically put them in a headlock uh, to find out what they believe, the reason it's so hard is because they don't want you to know. 
Ah, the reason I want to say amen. The reason I want to say thank you, Lord. The reason that I want to say glory is number one, I'm found. Number two, I'm fundamentalized. Number three, I'm fulfilled. Number four, I'm furnished. Number five, I'm fortified. Number six, I'm fevered. Number seven, I'm focused. Number eight, I'm farsighted. And number nine, I'm followed. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A Bible reason I want to be that one that, that still shouts is because I'm followed. In Psalm 23, 6, the psalmist David tells us that the believer has an eternal entourage that is with them through their entire life. D.L. Moody once wrote in the margin of his Bible, beside this verse, of the shepherd leads in goodness and mercy, bring up the rear. He went on to write, Dr. Pittman, all God's children have two footmen, goodness and mercy coming on behind them. Friend, you and I ought to be mentioned in the minority that praises the Lord because we are followed. You ever have the experience of uh, seeing something in the Bible that uh, has been there since the ink was wet on the page, but you just saw it? How many lift their hand in testimony and say, I've had that experience? Now, let me give you a, a little bit of uh, inside baseball. When God shares something with us, it is not for us to be stingy. When God shares something with us, it's for us to show it to somebody else. And then there have been times that I, I, I've gotten done preaching and I, I'll go back to the motel room and I'll watch a little bit of the news and, uh, and I'll work a little bit and I'll read. And, and there have been times, Dr. Wells, you travel and preach out, you know what I'm talking about, uh, that God will show me something in the Bible that, well, it, it's been there since uh, the ink was wet on the page, but, but I've never seen it. And, and again, God... God shows us stuff, not for us to be stingy, but for us to share it with others, show it to others. And man, I've been back to the motel room and I've preached my spleen out and uh, I've gone back to the room and uh, I've watched a little bit of news and I've worked a little bit and, and I, I've been in my Bible and all of a sudden I'll see something, Dr. Fugate, uh, that's been there since the ink was wet on the page. And man, it just, it gets in you. And it just starts to grow. And it, and it just starts to just starts to get bigger, and it, and it just starts to swell. And boy, I tell you what, there have been times in the small hours of the morning I've called Mrs. Hamlin and I've said, "Man, I just saw something in the Bible I've never seen before." And sweetly and politely, she listens way after one in the morning. And when I get all done, she says, "That's wonderful." But couldn't that have waited till the morning? I've been on a flight, and I've seen something in the Bible. And I've hit my flight attendant button, and they come and they say, more coffee, and I say, absolutely. But I've got to show you something in the Bible first. 
I've just seen this. It's been there since uh, the ink was wet on the page. And I've shared it with a flight attendant uh, way up in the sky between one place and another. There have been times uh, when in the motel room in the afternoon, I've seen something in the Bible and I've stepped out into the hall and, and I've gotten a housekeeper and I've said, you've got to see this uh, and I'll show it to them. And with no expression, they'll say, I don't speak English. By the way, make America great again. <laughs> I was preparing this message and had that, had that experience. And I was in a uh, conference in Trenton, Missouri. It's been last year, 2018. And uh, I saw this in the Bible. And uh, I just took my cell phone out and I texted a, a dear personal friend and I said, do you have a moment? He happened to be in a conference in Wilmington, North Carolina. He texted back and said, uh, absolutely. And then I texted back, and, and later when I thought about it, it was a little bit humorous, uh, but I texted that preacher friend back, and I said, uh, uh, do you have a Bible nearby? <laughs> asking a preacher if he has a Bible nearby is like asking a chain smoker, uh, do you have a lighter nearby? <laughs> so he texts back, uh, uh, yes, I do. Uh, and he called, and, and I said, hey, would, would you take your Bible and, and turn to Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6? And, and you probably have already seen this already, uh, but man, I've I just seen it, and, and, and I've got to share it because God doesn't show us things for us to be stingy. God shows us things out of the Scripture that we might share. And I said to my dear personal friend, I said, now look, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I said that word followed uh, in the Hebrew language uh, means uh, to pursue. Uh, it means to run after. I said it means to chase. He started to shout. I hope you'll never, ever forget this simple, simple Simple illustration of this truth. Sir, I need you, and sir, I need you. I need you, sir, and I need you quickly to come. According to that verse, every day of the world we have behind us goodness and mercy. Now, sir, I want, I want you to be goodness, and I want you to be mercy, and it's not hard. I did this Monday night in Cadillac, Michigan, and I had dumb and dumber, and they just wrecked the illustration. No pressure, but don't kill this illustration. So, sir, your goodness and your mercy. And I want you to stay right behind me. And I said to this preacher friend, I said, every day of the world, we have following us goodness and mercy. The moment, sir, that you got saved, the moment, ma'am, that you got saved, you got a heavenly entourage, you got, you got goodness and mercy to follow you. To follow you every day of the world. That means on good days. That means on bad days. Uh, that means down days. Uh, that means uh, uh, up days. Uh, come on, goodness and mercy. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what the day. Don't get in front of me. We got goodness and mercy following us all the time. When times are good, when times are bad. When times are glad, when times are sad. Uh, when somebody gets saved, where nobody gets saved. 
Uh, when we pass out one gospel track, and man, it just seems like hundreds get saved. And when we pass out hundreds of gospel tracts, and it doesn't seem like anybody's getting saved, guess what? Every day, every day, every day, if you're saved, we've got goodness and mercy trailing us all the time. My dear friend, sir, he began to shout, and I began to shout. He began to weep, and I began to weep. And he said, isn't that something, Dr. Hamlin, we have following us all the time, no matter what's going on in our lives, all the time, we've got goodness, and we've got mercy, and they're behind us all, all of the time. And then he started to shout some more. And then he started to cry some more. By the way, only a Christian can cry and be happy at the same time. And so I started to cry and shout some more. He said, Dr. Hamlin, you ain't going to believe this. He said, well, I'm here in Wilmington, North Carolina in a conference, and you're there in Trenton, Missouri in a conference, and we're talking about goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. He said, just got a text message from a businessman, and he said that he's giving me today a check for $60,000 for the bus ministry. Now, the reason you didn't say amen right there is because some of you immediately thought, nobody's ever given me a check for $60,000. Now, the reason for that is because you've never shouted over the six cents you found in the Walmart parking lot. Because you think that's just small and that 60000 is sizable. But with God... It's all sizable. None of it's small. And if you'd shout over the six cents you found in the Walmart parking lot, maybe God could trust you with the 60,000. By the way, another reason that you didn't shout when I told you about my dear friend who got a $60,000 check, well, we were talking about goodness and mercy. Friend, that's not odd. That's God. Another reason why you didn't shout is because you've been uh, going down to the devil's diner uh, where the blue plate special is always peanut butter and jealousy sandwiches. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Now, I know you want to know who the preacher is so you can get a loan. I'm not at liberty to say it's Dr. Jeff Fugate. I'm not at liberty to say he's going to be preaching in a moment. I'm not at liberty to tell you it was him. Every day of you in our lives, we've got behind us goodness and mercy. That's why I want to say amen. That's why I want to say thank you, Lord. That's why I want to say glory. Let's give goodness and mercy a hand. What do you say? They're sitting down. Thank you, fellows. God bless you guys. Three quick statements, and my time's gone. Statement number one, Jesus saved and sanitized ten. Only one shouted. Statement number two, when Jesus saved and sanitized ten, 
that leprosy, of course you know they were lepers, uh, Brother Wells, that, that leprosy stopped wherever it was at. In fact, I, I can show you right from the Bible, it stopped wherever it was at. Would you look at, uh, of course, Luke chapter 17, and would you look at there, verse number, number 14, it says uh, they were cleansed. Now what that means is wherever that leprosy was, that's exactly where that leprosy stopped. And that happened all ten. Statement number three. There was one that got back what he lost. Dr. Butler, they lost a limb. They lost digits, fingers. They lost eyelids. Leprosy. And those ten, it, it stopped wherever it was at, but, but the one that went back and said amen, the one that went back and said thank you, Lord, the one that went back and said glory. Would you look what happened to him? Verse 19, whole. He got a finger back. <laughs> he got an arm back. He got an eyelid back. I don't know if he lost an ear. He got an ear back and could go back to wearing sunglasses. I don't know. <laughs> ah, you can't beat Bible preaching. And it's those that shout when others are silent that often get back what they once lost. Now, there's a decision you've got to make tonight. You're either going to be like the majority that never says amen, that never says thank you, Lord, that never says glory, and go through your entire Christian life miserable. Or you're going to be like that one that says amen, that says thank you, Lord, that says glory. I want to be that one. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.